Hey guys, it's Graham. What's cracking? So it's not often that uh, you know I get deep, deep into a book series and then just abandon it and never go back to it for years and years and years, and then suddenly get the itch to wrap it all up. But that's exactly what happened with K.A. Applegate's The Animorphs series. <laughs> the first ones came out when I was in seventh grade, and she wrapped it up sometime when I was in high school. And uh, she'd started a couple of other series in between. Um, you know, her Everworld series ran for about a dozen titles. I, I gave those to my nephew a year or two ago. Um, you know, don't know if he actually read them or whatnot. But the uh, the Animorphs books were, you know, pretty simple, pretty strong on the premise side of things, and. Uh, you know, had a built-in formula, built-in method for, uh, you know, showcasing different animals and, and letting the, uh, letting the characters study how they worked and what they could do with them. Uh, the premise was that, uh, there are aliens out having a massive gnarly battle out in space, and, uh, there are good guys that look like telepathic centaurs with scorpion tails, and there are bad guys that, uh, they're tiny little slugs that can crawl in through your ear and control you. Um, you can't tell if somebody is a controller, as they call them. Um, but every three days, the uh, the little slug has to crawl out of your ear and drop into a pool where it absorbs nutritious, nutrifying food, uh, rays, and then you know your your head goes back in the pool and uh, they. Uh, you, they let you swim back into the host, and you got in front of the three days. Um, you know, obviously, the, they're all on different feeding cycles, so that you can have, you know, two people who are controllers, controlling humans, and uh, you know, the, some some of the hosts are voluntary, most of them aren't, and uh, you know, they're imprisoned during the the feeding phase, and it's you know, it's pretty demoralizing. These aliens have been doing this to other worlds, and they have a couple of planets that they've conquered, and and uh, they've got these alien species under their thumbs, and now they want to do it to Earth. And so the uh, good guy centaur aliens have uh, come to Earth, and you know, one of them, right before he died, he gave a couple of teenagers uh, the power to uh, acquire animal DNA by touch and then uh, morph into those animals for a limited period. Uh, it was the only weapon that he could give them before he died, and um, the kids don't know who they, they can trust because anybody can be a controller, and now they're just in a state of um, not really guerrilla war, just, uh, you know, cloak and dagger, undercover war stuff, doing what they can to uh, to fight these aliens and, and uh, hold them off and thwart their efforts until the the main group of uh, good guy centaur guys can arrive on earth um, K.A. Applegate was able to release one book a month for several years um, in fact I think she did that for the first two years until she started writing uh, longer books within the series that were separate they were they were like chronicle books she had one called the Andalite Chronicles the Andalites were the centaur aliens and uh, you know, she wanted to write a book that was basically like the main backstory or the backstory of the main alien that uh, that gave the teens the morphing power in the first place. 
She wrote another one called the Hork Bajir Chronicles that came out in hardcover, and I rode my bike to the bookstore to get that when I was in ninth grade, and I must have read the dang cover off of that thing, and I wish that I hadn't donated those books years later because uh, it'd be cool to still have that one. But, man, that was the, the Hork Bajir were um, like the, the muscle of the alien slug race. They were from a planet that had been conquered, and the hork themselves were, were peaceful vegetarian aliens, but they had these uh, bone blades jutting out of their arms that could be used to harvest bark from trees. But the, uh, the slug aliens were like, oh, hey, we can use these guys to be shock troopers and kill people. And, yeah, it was, it was gnarly. So, uh, you know, the series went on for several years. Uh, eventually, she started just writing the outlines and um, handing them off to ghost writers who would do the writing over the course of a couple of months, and then she'd do the editing to make sure that the the continuity was all up to snuff. I want to say that I read up to book 36 or 37 or so. I recently just checked the wiki to see because uh, I, I saw the books at a store somewhere, and I was like, you know, I bailed on that series after about three years um, just because, you know, 7th grade to 10th grade is not a short jump of time. You know, you, you go through a lot of changes at that point. I went from being a scrawny little 12-year-old to coming up on, uh, you know, driving age and suddenly you're shaving chin hairs and getting into weightlifting and trying to do things that impress girls, hardly any of which include reading. So I abandoned the series, but... Uh, uh, I saw it at the at the store the other day, and I was like, you know, why not finish that? So I checked it out at the library, and I went and checked the wiki list to see, um, you know, where I'd left it off, and uh, decided, yeah, I'm I'm gonna do that. So I've got the next one on hold, at the library, <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. I I do have a bit of a disadvantage in that. Um, I remember seeing the last book on sale at a bookstore several years after the fact and I picked it up and I read the last couple of pages and saw how the series ends which is going to be a bummer but I feel like I had that experience with her other series with Everworld as well where the the premise and the formula were cool Everworld only, only ran for two years she wrote a book every two months for that one and uh and yeah so you know only a dozen titles um, the, the setting and the world building and the characters were cool, but the overall story had somewhat of an unsatisfactory ending. And um, I feel like I remember that being the same way for Animorphs. But I still want to read it and I still want to finish it, mainly because I'm, I'm going to write something that kind of works along those same lines. Not necessarily, you know, alien slugs that take over your brain and, and stuff like that. But I wanted to try to write a shorter series of juvenile books that um, I'm not so naive as to think like, oh, it won't take me very long to write them because everything that I try to write short ends up kind of dovetailing out of control. But I wanted to, to read those to kind of get a feel for the, the pacing of a shorter book, what to focus on, what to leave out so that I could write uh, a story like that. See what kind of world-building details I need to pin down before I set pen to paper on the actual goings-on in the story. But, you know, keep it going at that same pace. Because I could buy an Animorphs book and I could read it in a couple of hours and have it done by the end of the night. And then, you know, I've got this 4 or $5 paperback that, you know, even in 
even in high school, even at my uh, my wages as a guy doing chores at home, you know, I, I could still afford a couple of those without it depleting all the money that I'd earned in a month. And uh, it gave me a lot of entertainment. They were, man, I like I said, I would ride my books, ride the book to the bike shop. Oh my gosh. Several miles from my house to the bookstore and pick that one up, you know, pick up the new Animorphs book every single month. And, you know, I ended up getting to know the girl who worked at the front counter of uh, B. Dalton booksellers at the Galleria Mall. I, mean, I don't even think B. Dalton's open anymore. They might have been uh, an affiliate of Borders and they folded a decade ago. But I, I want to remember what it was that I loved about that kind of series. Um, you know, not just that there were brain-controlling aliens and teenagers that could morph into animals. Like it, there, there was more to it than that. I want to figure out, you know, how to how to get that how to get that hype back, how to get that excitement back, and you know how to reproduce it and put it into a, a series of my own. Don't even know when I'm going to get around to it, but you know, in this quest to uh, to constantly be finding books that I'm excited about, I figured, well, you know, why don't I finish Animorphs? And, uh, you know, push comes to shove, I can keep getting those from the library and sharing them with my son because, you know, he's starting to challenge himself more as a reader. Um, you know, he's about four years younger than I was when the first book came out, but, you know, he's, he's reading on a higher and higher level. He just showed interest in Goosebumps, and I thought, well, you know, my, my wife had some objections just because he doesn't handle spooky stuff very well. But I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's kind of whimsical, campy, spooky stuff. It's, you know, not as innocent as Scooby-Doo, but it's a little bit more, um, you know, it's still age-appropriate. So we'll see how he handles those. But if not, you know, he loves animals. And I thought, that'll be great. You know, there's a, there's a different animal on the cover of every book, and they can learn about what it's like to morph into one. And... You know, he can read something that's got a little bit higher stakes than Wild Kratts or Paw Patrol or, or, or whatever. I think there's still definitely room in the market for a series that follows a similar model, but I can understand why a writer would get burned out by trying to create, uh, you know, a 120-page book every four weeks. Yeah, yeah, I totally get why K.A. Applegate enlisted the help of ghostwriters on the latter half of the series, but... Man, I used to live and die for my next Animorphs book. And uh, I would certainly love to to be so excited and look forward to a book and have it on pre-order again. It's I've, I've caught up on all the series that I'm reading, and I've realized, like, you know, I used to have three, four books a year on pre-order on Amazon, and I don't anymore. Not that there are any fewer books being published in the world. It's just that, you know, I, I want to get that hype back. I want to be excited. I want to anticipate uh, a book coming out again. And you know, more important, I want to know how to get my own readers to be hyped up about what I've got coming out next. Speaking of which, uh, I finished draft one of Sheriff Porter last night. And I'm going to take a break from it before I try to tackle it over again. I just went back to edit the first few pages and I ended up cutting three entire paragraphs out that just went on a little bit too long and didn't have any point by the, by the end of the story. Um... You know, I'm sure I'll have a lot of continuity errors to correct and I'll have to tidy up some details at the end because, hey, that's what first drafts are for. But, uh, yeah, I just finished Sheriff Porter and I'm looking forward to getting it up to my own standards and then getting that one out. But uh, if you are the kind of 
reader that does get excited about the next Graham Bradley book, then uh, start your engines because it'll be coming along soon. And then once I've got you know dates that I can set on on uh, releasing Sheriff Porter, I'll let you know what my next project is. But until then, be rad, drive safe, see you out there.